All right. Yeah, make sure you stop at Dad's. He's going to like pay for penance or something, I'm sure. Um, all right, so don't forget this Thursday we do have our outreach. So want to encourage everybody to come out uh, 6.30 uh, for our outreach. And uh, we'll be going out, knocking on doors, inviting folks to church. And, um, and then also the food distribution uh, on Friday from 1 to 3. Um, we need about six, six people to help with that. I think we have a couple that have volunteered, but we might be able to use a few more. So if you're able to help with that on Friday between 1 and 3, um, let us know. Um, then uh, let's see what else we got coming up here. Um, a couple of different activities and things. There's the ice cream fellowship after Sunday school on the July the 3rd. And uh, I noticed in the video this morning, they said if you have a special topping that you like, um, you can bring that. But uh, make sure you bring extra for other people too. If you, <laughs> you're like, this is my special topping. You can't have any. <laughs> um, but we'll have that after the evening on July the 3rd. Um, and then really be in prayer for the... Um, the two events that we have coming up in July, the VBS and the Teen Explosion. Just really pray that God will work through um, both of those events. Um, uh, the Lord seems to always bless in our VBS. Our Teen Explosion is something that we this is the first year we're doing it this way, just focusing on teenagers and um, really trying to um, reach out to teens in our community. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, teens nowadays... Um, you know, I would say there's a very, very little desire, obviously for most teenagers for the things of God or anything like that. So to try to get them in, obviously we're having to give out a lot of prizes and things like that. In fact, each night, uh, we'll actually be giving out over $500 in, um, prizes each night. Um, and again, don't, it's not just $500. We're going to be giving out like, um, gift cards and stuff like that. Um, just to try to get as many teenagers as possible. And we're, we're really praying that we can try to get over, you know, anywhere between 100 and 200 teenagers uh, to come. And uh, I, I don't know how many are going to come, but I know that uh, the only way they will come is if somebody invites them. Um, and so please take those invitations, uh, invite people. Um, if you have teenagers, encourage them to invite other teenagers and things. And so uh, we're just really praying that God would use that uh, in the lives of teenagers to try to reach some of the gospel and uh, there'll be a lot of fun games we've got planned. Um, we'll be feeding them. They'll, they'll eat um, while they're here and everything. And so um, just uh, a really exciting two days for these young people. Uh, just try to get the gospel to them. So, uh, but I really hope you'll be praying about those things. Um, obviously, there is the teen mission trip as well uh, and the youth conference. But um, these two outreaches that we have, we'll be praying that God would use that. Um, again, there is the, the sign-up back there if you would like to help with any of the, uh, some of the prizes and things. Um, we need, like, soda and chips and candy, and both for VBS, not so much um, candy for, for the teen explosion, although we will give out some of that, but, um, you know, sodas and, and chips and stuff like that. So uh, I believe the lists are back there. Um, so if you want to help out with any of those things, um, you can do that. You say, well, I, I'd like to help, but I don't know how to get stuff. Can I just give, you know, can I just give you cash and then you can use it to, to buy whatever you need? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, and so if that works better for you, you know, you can just mark that that's for the teen explosion or mark it for the VBS or 
or whatever you need, and then we'll we'll be able to use that to get some of the stuff. So um, just really be in prayer for those uh, those events that we have coming up here. And really, July is um, is really full month uh, with with the different events and things that we have coming up. So um, just remember those things. Um, and then we have our um, our missionary of the week and our country of the week. Um, our country of the week is Chile, Chile, and uh, I think most people know where Chile's at. Yes, maybe. If not, you do now, right? Uh, South America, very long country, uh, very long country, right there on the west side of South America, and um, obviously, most as most South American countries are, very predominant uh, Roman Catholic, over seventy-eight percent. Um, Roman Catholic there in the country of Chile, so um, obviously a great need for the gospel. Um, we do have we know of some missionaries there. Our church supports some missionaries there, uh, there in Chile, and so really be in prayer for um, for that country this week. Uh, then we have our missionaries of the week, uh, Brother Al and Ruth Stone, um, working with Bearing Precious Seed Canada, and uh, so be in prayer for Brother Stone. Um, we're working together on something, um, really praying that when he is finished with um, the Canadian Gospel Project and getting the Word of God into every home in Canada, he's really praying about coming down and working with us, not moving down here, but working with us with the American Gospel Project and uh, really trying to emphasize that as well uh, and trying to use that uh, throughout the United States. And so... um, they have about, um, I want to say about nine, $900,000 Canadian dollars remaining. That's about six or 700000 American dollars to finish the entire country of Canada. Uh, and once they, once they do that, they'll have put a John and Romans in every, uh, every home, every address throughout the entire country of Canada. Uh, now, and that's taken probably, well, by the time they're done, it's probably about 20 years that it's taken them to do that. Um, but uh, the Lord's really blessed in that area, and, uh, and so he really wants to jump on and help us with uh, the American Gospel Project and trying to get that done uh, here in the States and trying to get other churches. Um, right now, I've, like, we have a church down in Alabama. We have a church in Idaho. We have a church up in Union City. Uh, we have uh, one in Nebraska. We have one in Florida. We have one in Washington. They're all wanting to, to do this as well. Um, and be able to send out in their counties and things. And so uh, just really pray that we can uh, get this back up and running. And, um, and again, they've, they've printed 100,000 of them for us, and now we're waiting to get the covers done and get them put together. Uh, we'll be able to help the, the church down in Alabama. They've got about 70,000 we're wanting to do down there. And uh, then the church out in Idaho will be able to help them. And then also this church up in Union City. We should be able to help all three of those with this one printing of 100,000. And uh, so just really be in prayer that uh, we'll be able to continue this. So be in prayer for Brother Stone and uh, his ministry there, of course, uh, there in Canada also. And then we have Mike and Deanna Staley. Of course, the Staley's are missionaries to the U.S. military uh, in Spain. And uh, working with the U.S. military, both Brother Mike and Miss Deanna were in the military, in the Air Force, and uh, got saved and then got out and went as missionaries. They were in Peru for many years. Uh, that was the first place I met uh, Brother Mike and Miss Deanna was in Peru. Uh, and then now the Lord's leading them to work with the U.S. military in Spain. And uh, so be in prayer for them. So uh, pray for Brother Stone and uh, Brother Staley and his family. And then also uh, be in prayer for the country of Chile uh, this week. 
So be in prayer for those things. Um, any prayer requests we need to make mention of tonight? Anybody have any prayer requests? Ms. Donna? for Brother Glenn's brother, Ed, um, has some issue with bleeding in his nose, and they're trying to get that stopped. Brother Glenn? Oh, okay. Elkhart? Elkhart, Indiana. Okay. All right. Very good. Amen. Ms. Rachel? Amen. That's on Tuesday. Okay, so pray for the. Paul has a follow up with the cat scan from the cat scan on Tuesday, and then the Lambert's house work being done with the roof and the HVAC system this week. So, be in prayer for all of that. It all goes well, right, Brother Corey? <laughs> all right, pray for. Cedar and Don. Cedar has a sleep study on Tuesday. How long do they have to just is it just overnight or? Pray for Cedar and Miss Don on Tuesday, right? Mother. The beating on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I was like, <laughs> if you heal wailing and gnashing of teeth on Tuesday, it's going to be from the beating that my dad's getting. Sorry, the meeting. On Tuesday, yes. Be in prayer for the meeting on Tuesday with this um, board that's going to be um, discussing the possibility of a building. And uh, so be in prayer for that as well. Okay? Yeah. Matt? Still don't have a passport, but praise the Lord, we were able to make an appointment in Chicago on the 29th. Hopefully we'll get it on that day, so pray that everything goes smooth enough to get that. And then we have tickets for the second. You said on the 29th? Yes. 
Okay. Um, so pray for them as they're trying to get the, again, trying to get a passport. Um, he's got an appointment in Chicago. They're supposed to be able to get it done that day. So Lord willing, that will um, happen. And then uh, flying out just a couple of days later. So pray that that all goes well. Brother Scott? Yeah, so pray for Brother Scott's cousin. Um, just been diagnosed with Parkinson's, and uh, but also for his salvation as well. So, Bob Kelly. All right, pray for Brother Scott there. That God will give an open door to be able to share the gospel with him. Yeah, that's Amy. Stephen Eck. Stage four cancer. Okay. Pray for this guy named Stephen Eck. Um, my brother Keith is doing a little bit better. We actually were able to talk with him today um, at the house, and um, so he's doing a little bit better. Still needs to rest a little bit, but um, he is improving, so praise the Lord for that. Um, All right, any others or any updates? He's not pastoring. He's pastor emeritus. There's somebody else that took over, but he's been doing a lot of preaching still. Yeah. The First Baptist Church. I think it's in Bridgeport. Bridgeport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Leslie. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, pray for the Bowers. Um, Mary's still preparing. They're still doing tests and things, re- getting ready for her heart surgery. But I guess they just found out Olivia, who is the oldest, um, has um, a shunt issue uh, that they're going to have to uh, figure out and figure out what's going on with that. So uh, just be in prayer for Mary and Olivia, but also um, for Brad and Don as well. Just um, as Leslie said, having to go to different doctors and figure things out and all that kind of stuff. So really be in prayer for the Pray for them. All right. Any others? Okay. All right. I hope you'll be praying for those this week and be thinking of those. All right. Um, all right. So we've gone through a couple different, um, a couple different topics as far as um, looking at uh, just having a biblical view, uh, making sure that we're not um, just letting the world feed us its view of things. And um, we've looked at, um, you know, proving the existence of God, um, the reliability of Scripture, making sure that we know that uh, we have um, the Word of God and uh, the reliability of it. Um, tonight we're going to kind of start another, uh, another lesson series, whatever you want to call it. Basically, uh, it's going to be on the deity of Christ or the deity of Jesus. Okay. Um, and when we talk about the deity of Jesus, what do we mean by that? When we say the deity of Christ or the deity of Jesus, what is, what is we, what do we, what, what does that mean? What do, what do we mean by that? Okay, the holiness, the omnipotence, okay. Anybody else? What does deity refer to, Brother Scott? God, right? The deity of Jesus, that Jesus is God, right? Um, That Jesus is God. And obviously there, you know, this is something that has obviously been debated for, you know, um, 2,000 years um, from the time that Jesus uh, was on the earth. It's been debated, and it's been debated for 2,000 years. So how do we prove the deity of Christ? How do we prove when people say, well, you know, you Christians, you say that Jesus is God, but how do you, how do you know that Jesus is God? I mean, we're talking about Jesus living over, uh, you know, almost 2,000 years ago. So how, how do you know that Jesus is God? How do you know that Je- what Jesus said is really true? Uh, how do you know that you can believe him? Um, I mean, after all, he's just, a, he's just another man, uh, carpenter, you know. How, how, do we, how do we prove or how do we help people to, to know the deity of Christ? That Jesus is not just another person. He's not just another good man. He's not just another prophet. But that Jesus truly is God. Um, because there's all kinds of crazy things out there about Jesus, right? I mean, um, people have tried to bring up, I mean, just ridiculous stuff. So how do we, how do we prove that Jesus is God? Because if you, if you take your Bibles tonight, go to Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew chapter 16...
In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is, in verse number 13, it says, When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, um, if you know where Caesarea Philippi is, you know there's, a, there's an important place here around Caesarea Philippi um, where there's a lot of idolatry, um, spiritual darkness. There is, um, it's basically kind of what you would say, almost like a, a sheer rock or a, a cliff, you could say. And what they did was they carved out notches in these rocks and things, and they would put up idols of their gods. Um, I mean, all, all over this cliff face and things. And um, this is where they would come and they would worship. This is where they would offer sacrifices, um, doing basically just atrocious things, um, just wickedness that is here. And so as Jesus comes to Caesarea Philippi and he sees what is being done, right? Because again, here, here's the thing. When you have idolatry, whether it's Baal or whether it's Ashtaroth, whether it's Molech or whatever it is, or whether it's, you know, uh, Confucianism or Buddhism or, you know, whatever, um, Hinduism. You can take all of that and you can define it a, in, down into one word, which is what? All of that is what? Well, yeah, it's sin, but I mean, when you take all of those different things, what are all of those different things? It's religion, right? It's all religion, right? The devil is not against religion. And that's the thing that we have to remember, right? For some reason, we think if we can make people religious, that somehow that's going to, to change them. Religion doesn't change anybody. It's not. Religion doesn't change, right? It doesn't, it, it doesn't have the ability to change anyone, okay? Um, I mean, it might be able to help them stop drinking or it might be able to help them quit a habit or something like that, but it's not truly going to change that person's heart and life. So the devil is not against religion. So when, you, when Jesus comes to this and he sees all of this religion taking place, right? All these people worshiping these false gods. And by the way, when you go down to, um, when you go down to verse number 18, um, and he says, And I also say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The place that Jesus is at is referred to as the gates of hell. Uh, this is not... Referring literally to hell and the gates of hell. This is referring to a place here in Caesarea Philippi. And um, by the way, if, you, uh, if you're interested in seeing that, I would encourage you to uh, go to Israel this coming February. Uh, Brother Stone's taking a group to Israel. And you can actually go and see this place called the gates of hell, right? And you'll see this rock and you'll see all the places where... Uh, the idols were put in and all the wickedness that was done there. And you can see what's taking place. And Jesus is saying as he's here in this area and he sees all the idolatry, he sees all the religious worship and everything that's going on. Now watch what he says. He asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? So who do men say that I am? And the disciples Right? They said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, 
or one of the prophets. So think about the response here. He's asking them, who do people say I am? And notice every response given was who? Was what, I should say. Man. Every response given was a man, right? Look at it. Some say that thou art John the Baptist. That's a man, right? Some say that thou art Elias or Elijah. That's a man. Others, Jeremiah. That's a man or one of the prophets. So there were a lot of people saying, well, Jesus is just a good man. He's like John the Baptist. He's like Jeremiah. He's like Elijah. He's like one of the prophets. He's a good man. And he speaks good things. But notice what Jesus says. And he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Who do you say that I am? And um, (laughs) there are many times that Peter uh, really said the wrong things. But here's one time when Peter said the right thing. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. The son of the living God, right? So he's saying, you're not just another man. You're not just another person. You are the Christ. You are the one that was promised, okay? And uh, again, all throughout history, there have been varied responses, right? Um, You can ask people that do not believe that Jesus is God, but yet they believe in Jesus, right? Uh, The Muslims will tell you they believe in Jesus, but he was just a good man. He's just a prophet, a good prophet, right? Lots of people tell you they believe in Jesus, but again, just because someone says they believe in Jesus doesn't mean that they're saved, and it doesn't mean that they know Christ is their Savior. Just because they believe in Jesus doesn't mean anything until you ask them the same thing that Jesus is asking the disciples. Who do you say he is? Who do you believe Jesus is? Is Jesus just another man? Is he just a prophet? Or is he really who he claimed to be, the Son of God? I like what C.S. Lewis said um, in his book entitled Mere Christianity. um, As he's trying to prove that Jesus is not just a good teacher. He said this, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. And this is what he says people say. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. And that's what many people say. Jesus was a good moral man and he taught many moral things, good moral things, but to say that he's God, no, we can't go that far. So he continues, that is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. This is what he says. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg (laughs) or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He's not left that open to us. 
he did not intend to. That's a fascinating statement that he says. To say that Jesus is just a good moral teacher is nonsense. It's nonsense, right? Because if Jesus is a good moral teacher and what he's saying is right, then what he says is right and he is God. Or he's not and he's just a madman. You can basically boil down C.S. Lewis's argument to three, three choices. He's either a lunatic, he's a liar, or he is the Lord. Either he is a madman who believed he was God, but wasn't, and therefore he's a lunatic. A man who knew he was not God, but claimed he was, and therefore he was a liar. Or he was someone who claimed to be God because he is God. Those are really the only three choices. He's either a liar, he's either a lunatic, or he's the Lord. There's, there's no middle ground, right? And that's what, that's what so many people are trying to do. They're trying to find a middle ground. We don't want to say he's God, but yet we don't want to say he's not a good teacher. So let's just say... You know, let's just say he's a good man, he was a good teacher, and let's just leave it at that, right? We're not going to say that he's crazy, although there are some religions that would say that. We're not going to say he's a lunatic, but we're not going to call him Lord, but we don't want to call him a liar either. So we're just going to say he's just, a, he's just a good man, he's a good prophet. Well, again, I really like what C.S. Lewis said. He's not left that open to us. That definition that he's just a good man is not left open. Either he is a liar or he is the Lord, what he said. That you can't, you can't have a middle ground here, right? And, and that's what we want to look at. Um, because there are many people that try to say that Jesus did not claim to be God. His followers just fabricated that. They just made it up and... Uh, you know, after Jesus died and they just tried to exalt him. And so they're trying to claim him to be God. Um, and so they just, you know, Jesus really never claimed to be God. Um, again, the, the argument is not, there's no historic grounding in that argument. Um, but we could see why people would want to believe that. Okay. Uh, for example, let me see if I can find it here real quick. Um, Matthew chapter 28, right? Why would people not want others to believe that he's God? Why would people want people just to believe that he's just a good man? He's just a good prophet, okay? That's a really good question. Why would people not want others to believe that he's God? Why would people not want others to believe that Jesus truly is God? What would be some reasons? Brother Scott? Because their gig falls apart. That's very true, right? Unspeakable and 
Well, but then that proves that he wasn't God because he was crucified. Ah. That's a conundrum. Right? Yes. Ah. If he really is God, then they'd have to believe what he says. Right? Anybody else? Okay. If there's no resurrection, if you can say that Jesus is not God, then guess who gets to decide what salvation is? You do. You get to decide how you want to please God. You get to decide how you get to make it to God because Jesus isn't God. So just because he says he's the only way, well, he's not really God. So now we get each one of us gets to choose their own way. Anybody else? Well, Steve? Okay, so if, if Jesus is not God, then there's no accountability. There's nothing that we have to, there's nothing we have to fear really in death, right? Because death is just going to, we're just going to stop existing. Okay, anybody else? But Scott, you already answered one. You got another one? No, I just, normally I just only get one out of people, but you got, you got two. This is great. <laughs> Just because you won the axe throwing competition, brother. No. <laughs> <laughs> Did you look at my eyes? That's great. That makes me feel good. <laughs> All, all of these are very true. Was there another one? Yeah, Ms. Lawson. Right. Look, look what he says here. Look in Matthew chapter 28. So obviously, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is risen. In verse number 10, Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city. These were those who were on guard, and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers. Now wait a minute. If you'll study the customs during that time when the Roman soldiers sealed something to break the seal meant death. If you, if you broke that seal and you were not in authority to do that, you could be put to death, right? And if you were the one guarding and what you were guarding was stolen or somehow was lost or misplaced, it would mean your death as well. So here these Roman soldiers are put on guard. The Roman seal is there. Nobody's supposed to open this tomb. The Roman soldiers they're guarding, 
Jesus, and, and I'll be honest with you, I don't think Jesus came out when the stone was rolled away. I think he came out whenever he chose to. You say, well, then why did the stone roll away? So that people could go in and see. He didn't need the stone there to keep him in. I mean, he walked through a wall. I don't think a stone would be a problem, right? Um, and so when Jesus comes out, and obviously the, the Bible talks about there being a great earthquake, and these soldiers fell down as dead. Um, I mean, they realized, hey, um, something's not right here, and we're in big trouble. So they don't go back to Pilate. They don't go back to the one who gave them the orders to be there. They go to the chief priests. Why do they go to the chief priests? Well, watch. Saying, say ye, and this is what they say, say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ear, we will persuade him and secure you. So why did the chief priests, why did these elders not want it to be known that Jesus had risen from the grave? Now, those soldiers knew the disciples did not steal his body away. Nobody was there. The disciples didn't do it. Really? Fishermen against Roman soldiers? So why were they so afraid to let it be known that Jesus had risen from the grave? Because if Jesus rose from the grave, then it proves that he is God. Everything that he's been saying has been proven. And now they're going to have to follow him. Now here, this is what's just absolutely fascinating about this, right? I know a lot of times we don't, we don't really stop and think about it. So here are these elders, the, the chief priests, the elders are there. They have these guys telling them, look, we don't know what happened but he's not there anymore. There was an earthquake. We fell down. We were as dead men. And there was an angel there. And Jesus is gone. And all this and everything. And the, these, these guys are listening to this. These are not followers. Right? These are not the, the Galileans. These are not the, the Jews. These are Roman soldiers. And these guys are having to listen to this. They're listening to everything they say. And they still choose not to believe. After all that's been done, all the miracles that have taken place, all the things that Jesus has said, I mean, never could they ever catch him in saying anything wrong because he never said anything wrong. Never could they ever catch him in doing anything wrong because he never did anything wrong. And now, even after they watched him die, and they remembered, hey, this guy said after three days he's going to rise again, so let's put some guards around him. I know this is not going to happen because, you know, he's not God, but let's put some guards around him anyway. And they come and say, uh, yeah, he's not there. And they still do not believe. Because in believing, they know they will lose their power they will lose their position, they will lose their authority, and they are not willing to let any of that go. And so they are willing to pay these men to lie. Um, I'm pretty sure that one of the commandments was not to lie. Right? 
So here the religious leaders who are supposed to be teaching the law are paying people to lie so that they can keep their power and authority, their prestige, and not have to admit that they were wrong and that he really was God. Do you you see the length and the depth that people will go to say that Jesus is not God? Because it ruins their plans. Because if Jesus really is God, I guess I better listen to what he has to say. If he really is God, then I'm going to have to be accountable to him one day. And that's why, I mean, even if you go back to John chapter 1, right? John chapter 1, what is, how does John begin his gospel, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Think about it. Think about how... And again, as John is writing this, I think it's very clear that when he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, I think there's no doubt in my mind that John is thinking of Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Well, who is that God? Well, let me tell you who that God is. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were created by Him, right? So, so he's helping us to see, John is trying to help people to see that Jesus is not just another human being. He's not just a good prophet or a good man because that, that doesn't even fly, right? You, you can't have him to be a good man and a good prophet and then not listen to what he says. You can't have him be a good man and a good prophet and only take partially of what he says, Either he is a liar and a lunatic, or he is the Lord. He, he's either one or the other. There, there, there's no middle ground. But to try to appease people, because look, people in religion today, right? They don't want to come out and say that Jesus is a liar and a lunatic. What's that going to do if you say he's a liar and a lunatic? It's going to push people away. You say that Jesus, who, I mean, Jesus is a liar and a lunatic? That's not going to attract anybody. But we can't say he's God either. Because if he's God, then we should be following him. So let's just say he's a good man. It gives us the room to say he's not God, but we don't want to call him a liar and a lunatic Let's just kind of give that middle ground, which again, as, as we find in Scripture and even as C.S. Lewis says, he never gives that option. There's no middle ground. Man has had to make up this middle ground to, to keep their, their position. Man has had to make up this middle ground to keep favor with people because we can't just say he's a lunatic because if we do, man, nobody will want to listen to what we say, but we can't say he's God. Right? By the way, that's why you think about this. It's really fascinating to me. Right? Um, the, the Mormons. What, are the, what is the name of the Mormon church? The Church of Jesus Christ. Right? <laughs> but yet do they believe, that truly believe that Jesus is the God of the Word of God? 
No, they don't. But they can't come out and say he's a lunatic. They come out and say he's a lunatic. Now it's the church of Jesus Christ, the lunatic. That's not going to attract anybody, right? So what have they done? They've made up this whole cockamamie story about now Jesus and Lucifer were brothers and, you know, and they were men and they just lived really good lives to be able to become gods. What are they, they're trying to say he's not, he's not that God. He's not the God of the universe. He is a God like millions and millions of millions of other gods. And just how you and I are trying to become a God, but he's not the God. So we're just going to say he was a, man, he was a really good man. He lived a good life and that's why he was able to become a God. So they can't say he is the God, but they can't say he's a lunatic either. So what do they do? They make up this whole story about how good he was. in order to try to deny that he is God. And John says, let me just kind of dispel all of that. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Jesus did not begin at Bethlehem. It's not where he began. He's not just a good man. Jesus is the creator of the universe. He was there in the beginning with God. And he is God. And he was with God, and he will always be with God, because as Micah says, he is from everlasting to everlasting, because he's God. Jesus Christ is God. And and that's that's what we're going to be looking at here. Um, (laughs) Really interesting. Um, Larry King was asked a question, and he, he was asked, what question... Would you ask God if you could bring God onto your show? Now, I don't think God would ever come on the show, but... And this is what he says. The first question that I would ask God is, do you really have a son? Think about it. Do you really have a son? And is his name Jesus? What would that be the first question you'd want to ask God? This is why, again, this is, a lot of times we, we can, especially those who grow up in, in church and grow up in Christian circles, we're taught from nursery, from kindergarten, all the way through, Jesus is God, Jesus is God, Jesus is God, Jesus is God. But can I tell you, that's not the way most of the world thinks. And we have to be able to, again, just as, as, as Peter tells us, we have to be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh us of the hope that we have. And just as we've looked at, well, how, how do you know that the Bible really is the word of God? How do you know, how can you prove the existence of God? How, how do you know these things? If Jesus truly is God, again, we understand, we, we talk about the Godhead, we talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, And we know that there are three in one. There is one Godhead, but there are three individual persons in the Godhead. And we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. But if we really believe that, right, and we're trying to help people understand that Jesus is God, we have to be able to help them to see that he's not just a good man. He's not just a good prophet. He's definitely not a liar or a lunatic. But he is God. 
Because if Jesus Christ is not God, I don't remember who said it here, but if Jesus Christ is not God, we have no salvation. If Jesus Christ is not God, we have no hope. If Jesus Christ is not God, there is no responsibility. There's no accountability. We don't have anything really necessarily to worry about because, hey, all this, this is it. This is all we have. This is it. So we might as well just live it and enjoy it to the fullest extent. And then because when we're gone, we're gone. Boom, done, over. If Jesus is not God. And that's why there is such a push to deny the existence of God. And that's why Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And of course, Peter says, thou art the Christ. The word Christ meaning the anointed one. Peter identifies Jesus as Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that has been promised, the one that has been foretold. Okay? Um, and even, even the Father declares Jesus' deity. Um, if you go to Matthew chapter 3, in Matthew chapter 3, at the beginning of his ministry, <clears throat> as Jesus <clears throat> excuse me, is baptized, In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. Lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The Father declares him to be the Son of God. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And of course, we know later, at the um, at the end of his ministry in the Garden of Gethsemane, as Peter, James, and John are there on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he says the same thing. Basically, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. The Father declares him to be the Son. The Father declares his deity. Okay? Now again, yes, we're, we're going to look and see how anybody that says that Jesus never declared to be God does, does not read the Bible. Because it's all over Scripture. But it's not just Jesus. The Father declares him to be the Son. The Father declares him God, right? And, and honestly, whether Jesus declared himself to be God or not really is a mute point because if God says he is, then he is. If the Father says, this is my Son, then that settles it. Now, again, there's a whole lot of times where Jesus, again, he claims to be God, and, and we're, we're going to look at some of those things. But just by the Father saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And all the prophecies that talk about um, the Son, and again, from being, being from everlasting to everlasting, again, there's just so much proof. That's why as we were looking at this, um, a few weeks back, we were looking at John, um, I can't remember, I think it was through the, um, the I Am series, we kept going back to John chapter 20, verse number 31, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. All that John writes, the whole purpose of his writing is to point people to show that Jesus is God. He is the Christ. He is God. He is the Christ. That's why he starts. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were created by him, right? Jesus is God. Everything he says, everything he does is pointing to that. Because if we miss the deity of Christ, we miss the message of salvation, and we miss the entire focus of of the word of God because the entire focus of the word of God is on one person. It's on Jesus Christ from the book of Genesis. 
It focuses on his coming all the way through to the book of Revelation where he's going to come and he's going to set up a kingdom. I mean, everything from the very moment that man sinned in the garden, God is promising the Messiah. He's promising the deliverer. He's promising Jesus, the Christ. And all the way through, it's all pointing to Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. It's all about him. Brother Corey? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before he even started the earth, right. his plan was to have salvation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that's why everything throughout Scripture, it doesn't matter if it's Old Testament, it doesn't matter if it's New Testament, everything points to Jesus. Um, there's a book that I have in my office. Um, it's about that thick. It's called The Unfolding Drama of Redemption. And it's by a man named Scroggy who basically takes every book of the Bible and goes through it and shows through that book God's plan of redemption. Every, every book. Every book. And uh, you say, Pastor, did you really read that? I did, actually. That's one of the few books that big that I've ever read. You said, why? It was for a class I was taking. <laughs> um, but it was... It's, it's an amazing book, and if you just love to read and you have plenty of time on your hands, uh, I would encourage you to read that book. It's, it's fascinating, but um, all, it's, it's all, the whole, everything through the Word of God always points to Jesus. It always points to Jesus. Even when we may not even think it's pointing to Jesus, it's pointing to Jesus. <laughs> That's what's fascinating. You're like, oh, this is nothing, right? I mean, so what if Moses hits, hits a rock once or he hits a rock twice? Big deal. Why, why would God say, Moses, you can't go in because you hit the rock twice? Because it points to Jesus. It points to Jesus. I mean, just a rock points to Jesus. I mean, everything. And that's why if, if we don't understand who Jesus is, if we don't have a biblical worldview... Jesus is just going to be another person. And as a, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, that, that can't be. He must be God. And if he is God, and again, let's think about this, right? So if he is God, what does that mean for me? You know why many Christians don't want Jesus to be God? So they don't have to do what he says. That's kind of strange for a Christian not want, wanting Jesus to be God. But if I can believe in Jesus for salvation, but yet, well, let's just, you know, I just hope he's a good man. He gives some good principles and things. And then so I can just live however I want to live. Do we really believe that he's God then? Because if we really believe that he's God... We're going to follow the principles that he teaches. If not, are we not just as bad as those elders and religious leaders paying for a lie to be told 
so that we can keep our power and we can keep our prestige and we can keep our plans and we can just keep doing what we want to do. Oh, we're saved. We get to go to heaven, but we don't want to follow. So let's just say that he's a good man. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And that's again, that's why it's so important. That's why we're going to look at these different. Uh, we're going to look at several different truths relative uh, or relating to the the deity of Christ as we go through here, um, because this is this is vital. Just and again, it's hard to say. You know, this is the most important thing. Well, obviously, if we don't believe the reliability of Scripture, then we're not going to believe the deity of Christ, right? So these are just kind of building on top of each other as we'll go through. And uh, so we'll be looking at this um, through the next few weeks, all right? Um, anybody have a question, comment, or anything real quick? All right. Um, well, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we ask you just bless uh, our week as we begin. Uh, Lord, help us to look to you. Lord, not just looking to you as a good teacher, uh, a good man, or a good prophet, but Lord, help us to look to you as God, and uh, Lord, following and uh, being obedient to the precepts and the principles that you've uh, given for us to, to live by. And uh, Lord, we ask that we would just look to you, and uh, Lord, just bless in our week. We think of these prayer requests that have been mentioned this, this, uh, this evening. Lord, just work in those, and uh, Lord, just watch over us. Thank you for your love, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.